Welcome to the B Signal Podcast, the podcast where filmmakers and fans talk about film and how it impacts our lives. I'm your host, B. Anthony. And now our feature presentation. And welcome to the B Signal Podcast. I am your host, B. Anthony. Look, it is December 27th, 2021. Year is moving, people. It is moving, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, It's a beautiful thing to be alive. Like, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, Corona, um, variants, and, you know, politics, and just things are happening in the world. And if you're not careful, you'll think that things are really, like, going down the toilet. Um, But the gift of life is something that reassures you that things have the potential of getting better, you know, and if you're alive, if you're breathing, if you have your right mind, um, God, it's a beautiful thing, right? Um, As questionable as things are right now, we still have that hope that things, things are going to get better. So I just wanted to say that I wanted to start off um, just with some positivity and just to encourage you um, that it's not over yet. Okay, so with that in mind, welcome to another episode of the B-Signal Podcast. I am truly excited, as I always am, uh, that you have decided to tune in and to listen to me talk um, about filmmaking and to watch me evolve and grow as a podcaster, right? So this week, I... I I thought about, um, you know, everything that's been coming out in the theaters and, um, you know, a lot of temple films from the studios, not all the studios, but from some of the major ones have come out. Um, Spider-Man has done great things. I'm going to do an episode about that uh, because it, it deserves, it's just that good of a movie. Um, and it got me thinking like, you know, what films have impacted the like movie game? Like what films have really changed the world? You know, like you have a film, you put it out and that one film has literally caused everything to pivot. Right. So for example, I remember uh, the Blair Witch Project. Right. (laughs) And I remember it uh, because they made the film for cheap. Like they didn't, it, the movie didn't cost, there was no studio backing or studio funding or anything like that from what I understand. And it went on to just break all of these crazy records. And, you know, that, you know, was a moment for filmmaking, but then also it showed the power of doing things outside the box. Um, The documentary look that was kind of adopted later on by other films like Paranormal Activity or that method of storytelling, right? Um, It's amazing how that one film, you know, even now just thinking about it, like has impacted uh, the world, okay? Or maybe Jaws, 
like Jaws is heralded, I believe, as the first big summer blockbuster, right? Uh, you you won't. What's the tagline? You you won't be afraid. Uh, oh God, what was the tagline? Um, something about going back in the water, but it it changed the game, right? That people saw this movie and they were just affected by it and it spawned all these sequels and you know just continue to solidify all things steven spielberg as if he needed it already um the godfather enough said like one and two epic i haven't seen three yet but i heard that's not as good as the first two but it doesn't matter because it's the godfather and that name is synonymous with just everything excellent that we love about filmmaking that particular genre of um mobster movies rocky you know um let's see you have planet of the apes the original one the sound of music mary poppins the 007 franchise come on man like spy films yeah it probably didn't start with him per se but like that whole character I feel like if you take away 007, you don't have other spy franchises um, or, you know, that whole mystery element like your Mission Impossibles. But that in and of itself changed the game as far as like how films uh, adopt television series for for films, you know, and it was always done. But it was like Tom Cruise and that whole filmmaking team with that first one found a way to do it and make it like very successful. And it's been going on now, like for a long time, you know? Um, so, you know, it got me thinking like within my generation, what film could I say change the game? Right. Um, without a doubt for me, and this is just for me. Um, but I, 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 Maybe it's not just for me because when this film came out, it literally changed everything, right? And the film that I'm talking about is the 1999 science fiction action adventure, The Matrix, right? I remember being in 10th, 11th grade, um, and my friend Brent Stevens, uh, shout out to Brent. I don't know what Brent is doing now, but he's the reason why I even cared about this movie, right? Because he was hyping it up in his own way, you know, had the trench coat on. He wore glasses to school. He was just too cool um, in his way, right? And he was hip to the Matrix and what that world was. Um, now, mind you, I went to a I went to a Christian school, right? So my uh my whatever for that film was I don't I don't even know if I was excited about it if I was looking for it you know I I really don't know what what my expectations were right so I remember the film came out but I remember not paying attention to it um but what I do remember right is not too long after that film came out I remember seeing music videos emulating just the aesthetics of the film. So, for example, Genuine's uh, So Anxious video emulated or, or did a scene that was likened unto when Trinity and um, uh, Neo went into 
the white room and all the artillery came out and they were staring at each other. And so for me, I was like, oh, wait, that's from that weird movie, The Matrix, right? Like, okay, I guess it's cool. Uh, But it started like bleeding into pop culture. So oddly enough, and I guess ironically enough, the first time I saw the film was at my school, my high school, my Christian high school. Now, the gentleman who showed it to us, the preacher who showed it to us, edited out all the curse words um, and, you know, all the questionable things. So like, for example, when Neo gives the middle finger to Agent Smith in the interrogation room, a big black square (laughs) popped up over that, right? So that aside, as much as they tried to take out all the cursing and all the obscenities or whatnot, I was mesmerized with just a little bit of things that I saw. But then I was, it was one of the few films that forced me to listen and to really be engaged with what was being said. So by default, I am a visual person. You know, I, I am a, literally drawn to just anything that just grabs my attention, right? So to see a film like this, but it's causing me to think more so than to just be, you know, overwhelmed with all the eye candy, but the eye candy was good too. I didn't even know at that time you can do some of the things they were doing with those cameras and the effects. Trinity freaking flew up in the air and paused. The camera does a 360 and then it comes to the point where you can see her foot about to kick the police officer. Like how amazing and how awesome was that, right? And this is literally before, you know, special effects were just a requirement for films, right? Like, especially to get people in the seats. This is just really a moment in time where, you know, the Wachowskis uh, really had an idea and it was so out the box that Will Smith himself heard it and was like, I'm not doing this movie. I'm going to go do Wild Wild West. Um, No shade. I'm just saying that's how he told the story. But I say all that to say The Matrix is, in my opinion, I feel like my generation's Star Wars, you know, or, you know, uh, Jaws, or it's that film that literally changed everything as far as action and sci-fi. Like, I remember watching um, another beautiful film. I'm not saying they copied off of The Matrix, but this film called Equilibrium starring Christian Bell. Love that film, too. Um but you can tell that they learned some of the aesthetics and some of the tricks with the script where they had something to say um, and, and, and it spoke very clearly towards like government control and, you know, uh, the, the, the danger of, of, of like repressing emotion or whatnot and, um, you know, pills or what have you (laughs) yeah i forgot they there was pills in that movie too it's weird but again i'm not saying it copied it but you can see some of the immediate um even in how that film was marketed i remember watching it thinking is this like a matrix too but it's its own thing i recommend seeing it uh it's called equilibrium it stars tay diggs and um christian bell tay diggs was like that's one of the i like tay diggs but that film 
in particular, he really stood out to me because it wasn't about his looks or him taking his shirt off. It was him really acting and kind of outside of his element. And that was so cool, especially for black people. Right. But anyway, losing my point, you started seeing films echoing either the look or just flat out stealing the effects. Case in point, if you watch Charlie's Angels and you see those fight scenes, they're doing the slow motion bullet time thing. And at the time it is like, wonderful i'm still entertained watching charlie's angels right but it's like why why did they have to use bullet time to tell this story i feel like the studios were like yeah okay great you have three beautiful women you have a solid script this could work but to like really seal the deal you're going to use those effects from the matrix and it's going to work right and and mcg was just like okay you know (laughs) but i feel like that that was the power of that film. Oh, Charlie's Angels was a game changer too, a little bit as far as like women in action. Shout out to to McGee and and Cameron Diaz and and Lucy Liu, who I had a mad crush on, um, and and Drew Barrymore because like they made it like you you can't take away what they did for action films for women. Like they they lead to that narrative or to that conversation. But we're talking about the Matrix right now, right? So. I remember seeing that film. Then I got the DVD from Blockbuster, but I didn't get the real DVD. I I got one of the used DVDs that were like, um, um, you know how like ever after it's rented so many times, they put it up for sale. And it's like, instead of it being the full $20, you can get it for like $10 or less. That's what I did. I, I was on a budget. Anyway, I remember watching that film on DVD and just being mesmerized, you know, And again, The Matrix to me, it has the effect of reading something that you look at at, as a Christian, right? Let me do it this way. I'm not saying that The Matrix is likened unto the Bible, but as a believer or as as a Christian, the beautiful thing about reading the Bible is, is that if you just read it as a textbook, you're just looking at historical data, right? But when you read it and you allow um, the spirit of God to really open up your eyes, if you want, you know, this isn't like, you know, I'm not trying to convert anybody. I'm just sharing, you know, how the Bible is, how beautiful it is to read, because you can read something 20 times and see 40 different things. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just that dynamic of of, um, a text. And I feel like the matrix, right, has that energy. I'm not saying that it is the Bible, but I'm saying it, it's, it's amazing in that you can watch the original matrix like 50 different times in one year. And I promise you, every time you watch that film, you'll see something different. You'll hear something or you'll notice something that that you didn't even think about the first time that you saw it, right? And to be fair, I feel like the power of the matrix or the 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 appeal of the matrix, um, it seeps into all the sequels. So whether you like the film or not, the cool thing about the matrix is you're going to hear something or see something that just makes you think, you know? And not even because they're they're trying to say, okay, we're going to be 
in my in my mind, I don't think the Wachowskis looked at it and was like, okay, this is going to be a deep moment. But I, I do feel like they did a great job of just really milking every possibility, right? But also giving room for the audience to look at it and say, oh, well, this is what I see, you know? So I I look at The Matrix, especially the original one, and it's just one of those films that it captivates me every time I watch it, you know? Um, outside of Batman, Neo is probably my favorite hero or on-screen protagonist. Um, and like, I see a lot of myself in Neo. It's weird, right? Because um, he's the one, you know, he has all of this great power and da 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 And granted, I'm not saying that I can fly or stop bullets or what have you, but I think it speaks to this whole concept of prior to him believing that he was the one he has settled for the dream world, like for everything that that robotic um, technology simulation told him that he was, you know, it took someone looking for him, um, you know, and, and exposing him to a different reality or a different layer of truth and giving him a way out. And then even after he took the way out, it took it took so many circumstances before he realized that he was the one, right? And I feel like that's a journey that we as just human beings take every day. Like all of us have the potential to do great things, to do awesome things. Like the difference between the person um, that's a watcher and then a person that's a doer is the fact that, you know, the person who's a doer just made a decision to to act, to do, to, to move on what they saw. Whereas those who are like spectators, that's the word I was looking for earlier, but I couldn't think about it was like, okay, well, I'd rather watch because da, 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 I don't feel like it. I can't do, or I tried or, you know, so I say all that to say, I think that's just one angle of the Neo character that I can appreciate. Right. Like, they took him out of the dream world. They took him out the matrix. You know, he's trying to really deal with that whole trauma of a situation. Then he, you know, is empowered with all this Kung Fu and, and military, uh, you know, artillery and, and learns how to just be a soldier in a matter of moments. And even with all that, he still doubted himself, right? That is amazing to me. That is amazing because I see myself in the same light sometimes, like you have it or, or you're, you're capable, right. Of doing more than what you give yourself credit for. And, and you have to believe that, you know, God puts you on the surf to do great things. But if you're just settling for the matrix and just keep taking the blue pills, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. And that's something that I, have to constantly remind myself of, right? Don't take the blue pill, you know, don't take the blue pill, don't settle. And it's hard. It's hard because, you know, settling and, and staying with what's familiar, you know, it's easy for people to say, you know, you're this, you're that, you know, because you don't push yourself or da, 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 da. But the reality is, is that all of us have our blue pills, right? That forces us not to move forward or forces us to be comfortable with where we are. And, and, you know, just because you see someone else's 
you know, settling for their blue pill, you know, doesn't mean that you don't have a blue pill. The difference is, is that you just made a decision to take the red pill and to, you know, go on that journey to find your own hero moment. So I say all that to say, I love the matrix. I love the matrix. Um, it's in my top three films of all time. And I have no problem saying that I'm proud of it. Um, I'm also proud of it because it in and of itself has, has created something that even with the sequels, um, I don't think they even really are able to replicate the greatness that they've created um, as evident with how the sequels are received. You know, people love Reloaded um, and then people, you know, are divided or probably just don't like um, uh, revolutions. And then you have Resurrections, which I'm working my way there. But I think watching the first two sequels, you you understand real quick that, okay, there's a difference between telling a genuine story and then like going for the money. And, you know, it's a movie business. I get that. Like I understand production producers and what the studio system is right now, but I don't know. I often ask myself, did the matrix need a sequel? And I go back and forth because I remember by the time Neo hangs up that phone and tells the, you know, the machines what he's going to do, you know, and flies away. I, I needed nothing else from that because I believed him. Like he said that thing with so much conviction that I, I felt like to, to try to really see that play out. Um, because the machines even like stopped <laughs> the trace and, and, you know, they had no desire like to even deal with it because they knew like Neo truly was the one. So, you know, for me, that's an example of a film that just leaves me feeling full. I, I want nothing else from it because I got everything I needed. Even the whole hints about Zion, there was some curiosity about what that would look like, but I, I didn't need, I didn't need it at all, you know? Um, so with that in mind, all right, you get it. I love the matrix. I love the matrix. Um, and I love all of the philosophy and, and just the, the brain uh, <laughs> teases and, and, and the provocation of thought that comes with watching a movie like that. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. And I'm probably one of those who are like super fans or who just really, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the film or whatnot. Okay, fine. That's me. But I say all that to say, I saw Resurrection. Um, now, before I saw the movie, I had already made peace with the fact that whatever I saw on that big screen, um, I knew it wasn't going to be good as the original. I also knew that I made the same mistake or, or, or I made the mistake the first time with the first two sequels of just expecting it to go beyond the first film. And I don't think that the sequels are horrible. I just think that promises were made 
And I don't know if it did it. And it could be me just loving the film so much that I, I probably haven't fully opened up myself up to any of the sequels. But I will say leading up to Resurrection, uh, I went to the movies to just see the original on the big screen because I never had that experience, right? Oh my God. When I tell you that watching that film, um, it captivated me even just watching it, knowing what was going to happen, knowing how it was going to end, knowing that they didn't do anything different to the film. But I was just excited to see the Matrix on the big screen. Like, I felt like that was a gift from God. I really do. Because, you know, again, I value and I and I really enjoy the cinematic um, experience. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to um, just to be a part of, right? So to, to witness or to see this film um, on the big screen, it's kind of like, okay, this is really whetting my appetite for what's about to happen um, in December. So I go with my best friend, Tierra. She was excited. We were both both excited. Uh, but I was also realistic. I said, you know, it's going to be good nostalgia. I know that I'm going to have just fun seeing this world on the big screen. Um, my only thing going into it was you found a way to bring everyone back why not bring Lawrence Fishmer back? And they explain why they didn't bring him back. Um, my thing is this. You killed everyone. Uh, <laughs> you killed Trinity. You killed uh, um, Neo. You killed Morpheus in the video game, I believe, or something like that. And so, but you still found a way to bring back um, Morpheus and, I'm sorry, uh, Neo and Trinity. I just, I, I felt like, why even have Yaya portray Morpheus? And it turns out he's not really the character Morpheus, but, you know, you still gave him kind of like that avatar to accommodate the character that he was playing or whatnot. Um, but I'll, I'll, get my, I'll get back to Yaya. So let me start off this way. Let me talk about what I love about Matrix Resurrections because there were things to love. Um, seeing Trinity and Neo, and I'm purposely saying Trinity and Neo um, on screen again was beautiful and exciting. And for me, they they have chemistry that you you can't. It's impossible to to just create that type of chemistry, and it's there. Um, seeing Neo in the role again, I like how, you know, it's still him, it's still Keanu Reeves, but you can still see that um, he's aged a little, but even with him aging, um, he still has that character down to a T. I also like the philosophy, you know, the whole idea of the Matrix changing and evolving into it, not being so about precision. Um but more so about trapping people by their feelings. How 
appropriate and how relevant is that topic, right? Like on so many levels, that's a coffee conversation and, and, and a Yanla fix my life session right there. Right. This whole idea of us, you know, settling and, and really being okay with being stuck in this world that just accommodates our feelings. And then the system is feeding off of our obsession. And I like how they use the backdrop of, of course, technology, but gaming, the gaming world. Um, I love how um, the scene in the elevator where everyone's on their phone, but Neo's looking around. I just thought, okay, well, there it is right there. That That's the whole idea behind what's happening in this one. Um, I also love some of the things that were said by some of the characters. Um, fighting, uh, the fight scene between Yaya and um, Keanu was really good. Um, let me make sure I'm covering everything. I like all the callbacks. So they did a good job of really just making sure that, hey, we didn't forget anyone. Um, and we're going to talk about everyone, you know, uh, that was really good or, or important to this franchise. I thought that was good, too. Um, I thought Jada was cool. I, I like the fact that they made her the general. Um, I was intrigued with the whole idea of machines now being able to leave the matrix. And at first I was like, okay, they're stretching. But I remembered that in the second one, because of what Neo did as far as uh, freeing Smith from the system, well, it's not a far-fetched idea, you know? And then the idea that machines can see in and of itself that the world that's happening is a lie. Um, you know, I love, I love that angle. I don't think they really took it as far as they could go, but I also understand you're trying to do so much in two hours of some change, but I love that. Um, I also appreciate too, um, oh God, the new captain, I forgot her name. But she did an excellent job. She was on um, Iron Fist. And she even then, uh, I, I liked her character, Colleen Wang. Um, I liked her character there, you know, because she was just, she just does strong characters so well. Um, so with that being said, those were mainly the things that I appreciate. What really... <sighs> And again, I'm not a. I'm. It's not a thing of just hating on the movie because I. The movie wasn't bad. Like if I'm just looking at all the the things that you need to look at to see if a film is good, it's a very entertaining movie. I think though that when you're dealing with something like The Matrix, you have to be honest and say, okay, there's just certain things that people want to see, and one of those things is action. I felt like this film could have used more action. Um, and then not only more action, but I think the whole idea of um, really subverting the action moments with, you know, meaningful dialogue, that's cool. I'm not mad about it. I, I do feel, though, that with a franchise like this, people are coming with an expectation, you know, so I... I I also understand that the director and the producer, you know, they were very intentional 
with, you know, making this movie for uh, and and kind of doing a reintroduction. So that probably restrained how much action they could possibly do. Um, With that in mind, so the film is very self-aware. Like one of the plot points is they want Neo's character, who's a game designer, to uh, make another Matrix. Warner Brothers is asking for another Matrix video game. Like that's literally a line in the movie. And so I felt like um, uh, Lana Wachowski was like, okay, I really don't want to do this, but here we are. And just to really make like it sting, I'm going to put in the script that, you know, Warner Brothers wants another Matrix game. And, you know, so I felt like it was to a fault meta and making references to itself. And normally that play would kind of be cool. Like when they did that in Scream, for example, um, and all the sequels, you know, it's very self-aware. It realizes where it is you know, um, or the characters do at least. But with this one, a lot of it just felt very obligatory. I don't know if it really flowed with the script um, or with the story that uh, um, Wachowski was telling. So, yeah, I'm still processing that part of it. Meta's hard. Meta's hard because what you're banking on is the audience going getting in on the joke and being like, oh, okay. I just winked in the camera, but you guys won't see that. That's why the pause came. But anyway, like that whole moment of just being, hey, we know we're the Matrix and we know we're cool. I don't know how I felt about that. And then there's a scene where Neo walks in to talk with uh, um, uh, fake Morpheus and they have like scenes being projected on the wall or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I didn't, I, I don't want to see this. I want to see what's new. And if you're going to do something like that, I bare minimum, keep it like at 30 seconds or something, you know? Um, so, you know, the meta stuff, I just felt like that could have been handled a little bit better. Um, I think for me, the biggest offense is the fact that the new Agent Smith and the new Morpheus, not because the actors did a bad job, but for me, I just would have made them something else, you know, that was inspired by those characters. But I just can't see the logic in now saying, okay, well, you know, you're the new Morpheus and you're the new Agent Smith. Um, Especially with those two characters, they really did a good job of not only executing the role, but making it iconic to the point where if anyone else played it, it's just, you're, you know, like, okay, no, we need, we need the original actors back. So, you know, I'm still, it, it was hard to enjoy the movie for that reason, especially the scenes with them. Like Yaya, was doing all these impressions and then saying that, you know, it's a callback to, you know, whatever happened in an old Matrix movie. Um, So it's, (coughs) excuse me, it's very, very odd just watching that part of it. Um, So I also found it the motivation for the machines to resurrect uh, Trinity and and 
Neo, very underwhelming. Um, so from my vantage point, I'm looking at this like, why would you resurrect the one person who has proven that he can literally take down your entire empire? Like, I can understand you taking his body, burning it, like taking it out the, the flames, burning it 50 more times just to make sure that you, the one, will never be able to do what you did again. But the machines didn't do that. <laughs> they thought, hey, we can revive this guy and then we can feed off of his energy, you know, or whatever the plot was. It just it just seemed very hokey. Um, and it was hard to really sit through it um, because by the time they got to the end and both of them are in like their matrix garb, I just remember thinking to myself, like, this could have been done so many different ways. Um, but you know, this is what we're stuck with. Right. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm on the fence about, um, where to go with this franchise. Part of me is just like, leave it alone. Wait another five years, five to 10 years. Um, heck even 20, but just wait a while and let a new director do it. Um, but I also know the Wachowskis are definitely connected to this. Um, but I don't know their, their films are very interesting. Um, because I remember being in, um, the theater to see, uh, Speed Racer and just thinking to myself, this really isn't like the cartoon, but you know, they're doing enough for me to say, okay, it's checking all the boxes. Um, I didn't see Jupiter ascending at all. But, you know, they're they're in a very unique space. And it's just Lana, I believe, who came back. Um, the other Wachowski a sibling did not return. Um, look, overall, for me, Resurrections is a good movie. But I feel like there was just certain moments that just left me... <sighs> disappointed. I think that's the best way to say it. Um, and disappointed in the sense of like, oh, I, I wanted to see da, da 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 But if you're going to make a sequel to one of the greatest films of the last 30 years, 40 years or whatnot, I I think you you need to really be intentional about making sure that the audiences are connected to whatever it is that you are um are going to create. That's just my two cents about it. Um, the post credit scene, I, you know, no words. I, it just wasn't for me. I was, I was just over it. Like, cause <laughs> and my friend here, she was very clear. Like we sat through this and this is what we're going to see, you know? And I had nothing for her, like, except for a thousand apologies for making you sit through this. Um, so anyway, I, I genuinely just thought the movie was okay, but overall it just felt unnecessary as far as Resurrections is concerned. Um, if they make another one, they definitely need to bring back the original Agent Smith and the original, um, uh, Morpheus. Um, and then I think you just need to do one more solid, good movie 
and you know call it a decade <laughs> um so yeah overall i wanted to take a red pill out of this franchise <laughs> i just i i i was ready to escape and um like not escape in a good way like escapism i know i just i wanted to get out the theater because it was, it just it wasn't good at all you know but here we are right um, no use in crying over spilt milk. I just feel bad for the new generation that's going to see this and not really get that. Like, no, this is this is really really significant, and you need to take time and really just like enjoy this moment. Like, what I love about my mom raising me was that she would show me a film, and she would take the time to explain to me why this is a big deal, you know, um, or why the, the, the cultural impact that this particular film has had on cinema. Like my mom would sit down and explain it to me, you know? So I missed, I, I was hoping that this film would kind of have the same cultural impact, but then, you know, things are changing so fast now. It's kind of like, was that even a realistic expectation on my part? Probably not. Um, but what I do know is that I didn't like it um, as much as I wanted to like it. So would I see it again in theater? Um, probably not. As a matter of fact, when I got home, um, I immediately just kind of like chilled out. But the next day I watched it on HBO Max. And even then, it still felt hard to really connect to what was being put on screen. Um, and a lot of that had to do with <laughs> some of the characters. Um, and the plot was just very, very whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, that's it for this episode of the B-Signal podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time to listen to me talk about my views on filmmaking and the people who make them. Um, if you just want to find out how to connect with me, you can go to beanthonycg.com. All of my information is there. Um, and yeah, have a great evening and um, yeah, go enjoy life. All right, take care. <laughs>